It's a bird. It's a plane. It's a magic marker. A, a felt pen. It's a mistake. It's a trap. It's a fucking comedy. It's quiet. Maybe too quiet. It's all happening. It's a good day to die. It's a good day to talk about movies. Welcome back. It is a good day to talk to Steve Chorney. I am your host, Duncan. Joining me as always is Gardner. Welcome back, folks. This is a really exciting one. Yes, I have to agree. Like I said, joining us today shortly will be artist Steve Chorney. I've been hyping this up all week on all our other episodes, so you've probably heard the name by now. You know that he's done lots of movie posters, and I've said it on all the episodes that if you've seen movies anytime in the last, let's say, 50 years, you've seen his work. He's known for lots of work, like I said, but some of his more recent work include The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, two posters that I'm sure you can picture right now in your brain. And if not, go check them out because they're badass and reminiscent of lots of the old school Hollywood posters. And we get into that in the interview about his style and stuff like that. But it was super cool for me, at least, I'll say, because... I love this style in particular for movie posters, and I really wish more artists were doing that still. Not to say that that's on the artists, it's more on the studios deciding to go. They're out of like Photoshop, and don't get me wrong, there are other artists who are doing those posters, and I'm not taking anything away from them, but my personal favorite posters are always this style. So getting to talk to someone who does my favorite style of posters was really cool, and then on top of that, he gave us an amazing interview and got to talking about some really cool stuff. So I just want to hype this up as much as possible because I really think that everyone's going to enjoy this, even if you're not necessarily into art, if you're more into the movie side of things, which this is movie related, but if you're not like an artist yourself, maybe that might not be your style. I promise you, this is exciting. This is a great interview and he talks all about some really interesting stuff. Yeah, I mean, Duncan is 100% spot on. Even if you're not an art head or a movie poster head, I really think that Steve gave us some really interesting insights into the behind the scenes process for marketing and promotion on films. Obviously, this was primarily focused on his work, which, like Duncan said, if if you don't know what we're talking about with those two posters, go check them out because it's also my favorite style of poster. And overall, I was just super excited to talk to Steve, and I thought this went really well. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear it. Yeah, and I mean, I know I said that he's done like hundreds of posters over the last 50 or so years, even longer maybe. But I only mentioned those two because they're two that stand out recently. That I, They're movies that I know that our audience will be familiar with. One, because it just came out. And the other, because I just know Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a Quentin Tarantino movie, our audience is familiar with that. I know our the taste of our audience. and I know that they've all seen that, so they can probably picture it in their heads. So before we do get into that, I want to just remind our audience what we do here on GDT. On GDT, we talk about movies we love and interview independent filmmakers. Every Friday, we have a full episode where we have a guest on, and those guests are usually related to the independent filmmaking process or just the filmmaking process in general, but lots of our interviewees are independent filmmakers, which is really cool because we get lots of cool insight because of that. So if you're into the filmmaking industry, independent films, or just want to know about how films get made, these episodes are for you, and that's what you're listening to right now. This week's full episode where we are interviewing, like we said, Steve Chorney. On top of this episode, we also have three other episodes a week for a total of four episodes a week. 
On Monday, we start off with our Monday mini-series hosted by Nyatafa, where we discuss the short film that we are working on here at GDT. If you want to learn more about that, you can check out all those episodes. We're up to number five coming out next Monday, and we interview people who are involved in the creative process there. So we had myself on, we've had an actor on, we've had someone who did the soundtrack on, and now the person who did the score on. And now upcoming next week, we have my co-director, Kari, who you guys remember as another host of GDT. So if you want to know about our short film, check out those Monday episodes. We had, like I said, the person who did the score on on this Monday. And next Monday, we'll have one of the co-directors. So check out those Monday episodes hosted by Nyatsafa. Then on Tuesdays, we have our Marvel Podcasting Universe episodes where we go through the MCU movie by movie. We just started this miniseries, and I wouldn't even call it a miniseries since the MCU is so large at this point, but we started with Iron Man this week, we're doing The Incredible Hulk next week, and then we will continue through with Iron Man 2 and on in the MCU. On top of that, on those episodes, if there's ever a new superhero show, like when Thor 4 comes out, for example, or when any DC or non-DC or Marvel stuff, like The Boys, although I'm pretty sure The Boys does actually is under DC, the comic label so i'm just throwing that out there that maybe it is but my point is that any superhero content that comes out will also be covered on that show and we'll put the mcu content on hold whenever there's a week where a new show has dropped or a new movie has dropped so those shows are on every tuesday and they are hosted by myself chris mac and jalen then on thursdays we have our regular bonus episode where we talk about a new show a new movie something relevant or we have a guest on to talk about a movie they love. This week, we had Simon Whitlock on to talk about Mystery Men, one of his favorites. So check that out. It came out yesterday, if you missed it. Those are always fun episodes, but next week, we'll be starting with the Kenobi series. So going forward for the next couple of weeks, that's what will be on those Thursday episodes. Although, read the description of our podcast because it has the, the upcoming episodes in there. It's a little funky next week. We are doing our regular Thursday bonus episode, which will be actually on Set It Off with special guest Latoya. But then because there's the funky schedule release with the first two episodes of Kenobi, we're actually going to be releasing episodes on Saturday and Sunday next week for Kenobi 1 and Kenobi 2. So stay tuned for those. That actually means that there will be six episodes next week. So that's pretty exciting. I know that my editing skills are going to be put to test for that, but we will be excited to share those with you. That's right. Those Kenobi episodes next week will be on top of all four episodes. And then going forward, the Kenobi will be in the Thursday slot for the bonus episodes. So those are the four weekly episodes. And then on top of that, on the first Sunday of every month, we also do the Sunday movie squad with myself, Kari, John, and Stevie P. And those are just every month. One of us picks a movie based on a topic that we present, so you'll never know what's coming, basically. But stay tuned for the next one of those. We'll get into more detail on what exactly each person's topic will be and what kind of movies they'll be bringing. So that'll be releasing on the first Sunday of June, and then, of course, on the first Sunday of every month after that. Those are our four weekly episodes and our one monthly episode and our crazy six-episode week next week, and that describes what we do here on GDT. Now that I've given that whole spiel and you know what we are all about here and you know which episodes might be for you, which ones maybe aren't for you, I'm telling you there's something for everyone, it is time to bring us to our interview with Steve Chorney. We hyped it up. It's time for you to listen to it. You decide, is it as great as we said it was? Yes, it is. We are joined now by a very special guest, artist Stephen Chorney, known for his artwork often seen on movie posters, is here today with us to talk about his career. Steven, thanks for being here. 
happy to be here. I'm glad you invited me. Thank you. Looking forward to it. As are we. We're, we got some good questions to ask yours, ones that I'm excited to ask at least. If you've seen posters for movies like The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which is a more recent one, or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, or the 50th anniversary of Bullet, or even something like Monster Trucks, the movie, then you've seen his work. But he's done much more than that. Are there any titles that you would like to give a shout out here at the beginning? I know one that stuck out to me was also the promotional work for Deadpool 2, among other things. Like, you know, you also did the work, some work for Admiral Nelson. I know that's a fraternity favorite from back in the college days. So um, I, I noticed those as well. But if there's anything that you'd like to point out, you know, that you've done, it's, you have such a wealth of our work. Boy, you know, I, I, I can't single out any one thing. I, you mentioned the uh, anniversary piece for Bullet. That got a lot of good response from people. And so I kind of like that one. That's uh, become a favorite of mine, even though it's not a legitimate poster for release. That was fun to do. Yeah, that one was very cool. All of them are, I mean, it's hard to single them out. It also came out uh, along about the time that the actual automobile, the Mustang from the movie went on the block, auction block. I think it got like $4 million or something close to it. Oh, wow. That's crazy. But people, you know, people who have the money to just spend on that kind of stuff, <laughs> very cool stuff that you can get out there. They will spend it. Yeah. There's some cool props that you can get for movies if you got the, if you got the money for it. Yes. So to begin, would you mind telling us a little bit about your artistic background and what, you, what got you into art in the first place? Well, it goes way back. Uh, my father was an artist. He was trained as an artist and uh, he favored it back in the day abstract art, stuff like Jackson Pollock, people like that. That wasn't exactly my cup of tea, but growing up uh, on my father's knee, when he would hold my arm and swish the paint, I knew at a young age, I, that's what I wanted to do, be an artist. So um, I ended up pursuing that in high school, and then I never did go to college for it. But happily, I, I got a job in an animation studio out here California when I came out here. And uh, I got to meet a lot of different artists, freelancers that would come and go. And I got to practice drawing because animation, you know, <laughs> one drawing after the next, at least back then. So um, that's kind of what started me going. And then I, I eventually went freelance and moved in the direction of illustration. That's my formative years. <laughs> would you say that your father is your biggest artistic inspiration? I would have to say that just because I mean, he, he was there painting all the time. Now, he didn't actually end up making a living at it. It wasn't too easy for him. So it became more like a hobby, but even though that, that's what he wanted to do. But that was, that was my first exposure to art, the world of art. We'd go to art galleries. and It made, a, it made a, a big impact on me. It made me want to do just that. I want to be an artist, Dad. And he said, no, 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 no. Don't do it. <laughs> and when you started your journey with, your own career as an artist, what helped you develop your own artistic style? You said that you worked as an animator in the beginning. And I don't know specifically about how that process worked at that time, but I know a lot of times that has to do with you're working on a big team and you're kind of following someone else's vision. How did you develop your own style as an artist? Well, I'll go back to um, maybe that juncture from animation to illustration. That would have put us around 1975, and a book had come out. The book was a collection of this artist, J.C. Leyendecker. 
Everybody that was illustrating was trying to master that style. And it happened that I was friends with Drew Struzan, if you know that name, in movie posters. And he was really able to capture that look. Now, that's when that book came out. Everybody was scrambling to try and do it. All the art directors are going, what? Something like that. And so, yeah, then that had a major effect on several illustrators, including myself. Very bold style. So I tried to incorporate some of that look in my work as well. And Drew did the same. So, and he was another influence on me. He was uh, educated as an illustrator, got work as an illustrator. And then I worked alongside him for a short period of time. And um, I soaked up whatever I could. And so I guess that's when you decided that you were going to go the route more of creating movie posters yourself for right? This is the freelance juncture that you're talking about, about when you switch over from animation yes. right away that you're doing like posters already? Um, or does it, was there anything in between that you kind of like dabbled in? Yeah, I, I'd say I went from the animation to doing uh, a lot of lettering, logo work. So, and back then Chrome was the thing, you know, so we do these, use an airbrush to make it look like the lettering was Chrome or brass. And then slowly I got assignments to do minor illustrations, mostly comp work, which is concept work. And then eventually I got a couple of projects that I actually got to do. One of them was Tom Selleck movie called Lassiter. And once that hit, once that came out, I think that, that was when somebody started seeing my work. And then I, I, I got busy after that. What is the process like for creating a movie poster in particular? Is it someone from the studio reaches out to you, someone from the art team, from the film, and then you collaborate with them? What does that look like? Well, generally speaking, we're going through what they sometimes call a, a boutique. Let's say Warner Brothers, Paramount, they'll go through an agency and the agency will get the artists to do the work. It's it used to be we'd go into Disney and work directly with the uh, marketing department, but a lot of that has all gone in through a middle, the middleman, the a agency. And so um, sometimes they have a pretty good idea where they want to go with this, but a lot of times, no, it's all exploration with drawings. We call them concept illustrations or drawings. Sometimes they'll go into the hundreds, usually dozens, but a big film, they'll, they'll uh, come up with all kinds of ideas until we narrow it down. That's pretty much, sometimes you get a free hand to do whatever you want and show, and sometimes they kind of give a little direction as to what they'd like, if that answers the question. Uh, yeah, that was great. But going off of that, is there maybe some filmmakers that themselves, like if it's like a writer, director, I'm, I'm thinking that like really likes to have control over everything, will they be more like hands-on with you as opposed to something that's maybe, I don't know, like bigger budget and there's maybe more cooks in the kitchen and then it's like, okay, you're not really speaking directly with a, a director or a writer on that process. You're more with like a team effort. Like, is there sometimes, I guess, that someone is very hands-on and is coming to you directly, like the, the actual creative behind the movie itself? Well, it, it'll work both ways. Uh, in case of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, Mr. Tarantino, he is a, a movie poster collector. He loved that stuff. So he was real hands-on, even gave the agency a book of old posters, earmarked to different ones that, you know, wanted, let's look at this, let's explore that. And, and we also did some of the prop posters in the movie, which were based on Tarantino's ideas. 
So he was very hands-on. In other cases, not so much. It's just they leave it up to the up to the studio to figure out the marketing aspect. Does that make your life easier when the creative is more hands-on and kind of tells you specifically what they want or the specific style that they want? Or do you more prefer being able to get in and explore and find what you're looking for? Well, I'll go back to this once upon a time in Hollywood because it's a good example of what you're asking. Uh, They were really wanting to see all the ideas, but they they weren't so happy. And I'm going to say Tarantino, but I know there's others involved in it too. They weren't so happy with, with what was being given as ideas. And I know they had another uh, another agency involved too. So sometimes a couple different agencies are toe-to-toe on this stuff. And I got, I got a nice opportunity. Um, I think it was going to be pulled from the agency I was working with there. Uh, we did a number of ideas and then they weren't going anywhere. And then uh, the art, the main art director on this, a really terrific guy, he said, you know, we don't have to do this, but maybe we'll give him one more idea. We'll just, and he wanted me to sit down with him and come up with the idea. So we did, we sat there and made the arrangement or the composition that you see now as the poster. Uh, And we submitted it. And the next day we found that they loved it and they wanted to go with it. So it was a last minute attempt to try and satisfy whatever they were looking for. They didn't tell us to do it that way. It was just that, well, you know, I'm not a young guy. So I go all the way back to the 60s. And um, I was thinking about that. I was thinking there was a TV show <laughs> called The Mod Squad way back. Three young hippie-ish type police officers. And then TV Guide had three heads, just like the way I threw that together. And then added all this other stuff. That was a laundry list that Mr. Tarantino wanted. All those little things in there, including himself. So then we just kind of worked it so that we could fit all those things in there and it wouldn't look too cluttered. So it was kind of simple. And yet then all the business below. I I particularly like the girl dancing there, uh, Margot Robbie. And then on the horizon, there are girls coming up. And we thought, you know, it kind of looks like they're coming to the party, but uh uh-oh, no, they're not. So I think think it came together nicely. And uh, we learned the next day that he liked it and wanted to run with it which was pretty cool. It's interesting that you bring that up as your example, because I think, it, like you said, it does well ex- execute what we were asking. It, you know, it, it's a good example of that. But also, it's a poster that I think is very reminiscent of some of the really cool, like, older style um, posters that you used to get. And nowadays, it feels like a lot of times there are more, I guess, I don't want to like disparage whoever's making a lot of these more mainstream posters, but it does feel like there's less like artistic um, thought going into a lot of them where it's not like a painting or something like that. It's more of like um, a collage of like, like, like just faces that are pictures from the movie. You know what I mean? And it does feel like there's like a less of um like an artistic integrity behind it. I don't know. I don't want to sound like I'm disparaging the, the posters of today, but there, there is, it's like a throwback feel the once upon a time in Hollywood poster Right. And I was wondering if you like, obviously, like that makes sense for the, the movie itself. Obviously, it's very in line with the ideas of, you know, it's it's a period piece set in the 60s. So that makes sense. But I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on, I guess, the way artwork used to be integrated into film posters more, it, it feels like. And that style that you have being, you know, it's very 
a good example of that of like what really made those pop in the past i think yeah but you know looking at in a fast forward kind of thing when photoshop became available everybody became an artist you know so you had a, a wide variety of looks but it was all mo mostly photographic and to be honest i've said this before i think going all the way back to the early days of film the people marketing it, they always wanted photos. They didn't want artwork because it's a photo. It's a film. We're making, you know, it's a moving picture of photos. So they figured we should, but the quality of the photos were really bad back in 1920s, you know, so then they had artists do it and it would go back and forth. If photography got better, they would go with photography more. Then they'd come back to illustration. And I think there is a little bit of that back and forth. Now people are tired of, uh, again and again, Photoshop. So it seems like illustration is making a bit of a comeback. Have you noticed that in your work? I don't want to, you know, pry too much into uh, what you got coming up and stuff like that. But have you noticed that people are looking more for that style from you? Uh, or at least a throwback to a period. Uh, I also did some work for Damien Chazelle's film Babylon, which is kind of on hold until the end of the year. But again, that's a period piece from the 1920s. So there, a few artists were used to make prop posters and stuff in the film. I did a, I did a poster and a magazine cover all to look sort of like back in those times. So they're, they're coming, they say, well, we want it to look like the 60s or we want it to look like the 30s. You know, some of that plays into it as well. And I mean, obviously you've been doing this a long time, so you have a really good feel for what the artistic styles are in those particular time periods. But what are some of the references that you might use to emulate those particular styles? Oh, I got books that are referenced to the different periods, advertisements, artists that are no longer with us that were popular back in the 50s, 60s. And earlier, so a lot of reference. Well, and and they'll provide reference too. Sometimes when they have a direction in mind, so it can work both ways. I figure this is maybe a little bit more of a pop culture -y question, but do you have a genre that you like drawing for better? Like, is like horror give you like stuff to play with, or are these like adventure type films stuff that have like ample stuff? I I don't know if there's one in particular that kind of lends to the artistic you know, creativity aspect of it. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say a lot of the action type things lend themselves well to the illustrated look. You just get something, something a little bit more magical with an illustration. You know, people might believe the illustration. If you did the same thing and if, with photography, it probably wouldn't look believable. So I think an action film lends itself to that pretty well. Uh, and as far as things like horrors, horror movies, some people love working on them. I, I do not like them. I'm so tired of zombies. <laughs> so I, I sometimes avoid that. I am keeping busy. So I have the luxury of being able to say, mm, I don't want to work on that one. But those kind of horror movies where there's a bloody knife or something like that, I, I, I avoid that stuff. Do they, I'm curious because a lot of, I mean, all uh, this style of art is very, um, you know, photorealistic and uses uh, imagery from the films themselves is do you watch 
the movies before you or while you're working on the art or do you get stills and maybe if you if you have to watch a bunch of horror movies then <laughs> to do the posters that makes you not want to do the posters so much i'm just curious well here again it can work both ways the uh, film once upon a time in hollywood was still being filmed while we were coming up with ideas and, and, you know, I don't know where you guys are, but in Hollywood, we could see the different areas that were set up for filming that people all dressed like 60s and everything. And, and we're coming up with ideas, kind of not having seen the film at all. And it was sort of like under wraps, you know, he's very protective of, of his stuff until it comes out. So there's that. And then on the, uh, on the Nicolas Cage thing, I, I was able to watch the movie first. They, it was already done, so there that was nice. And there's usually two two types of photography. You can do screen grabs, which is a kind of a lower quality of a photo, but then they also have unit photography. So a, a photographer is hired on set and takes pictures, which are the you know of the different scenes, the characters, and they're of a better quality. So we have those two different sources to tap into. Going off of if there's a genre that you like to do the artwork for, is there a genre and maybe a film that is your favorite just to watch as a viewer? Yeah, I always tend to keep bringing up Quigley Down Under, Tom Selleck uh, film. You know, and they don't even call it a Western, but I like Westerns. And uh, it's set in Australia, so they can't really apparently call it a Western because it's not an American Western. So that, that movie, I liked it. I got to meet uh, Tom Selleck on the set, or not the set, rather the opening of it, you know, when they do the red carpet thing. So that was, that added a little something, because I, yeah, I don't get invited to those things at all. We rarely even get to sign our, we don't hardly get any credit for this stuff. It's all, you know, behind the curtain, so to speak. But I like that film, and uh, I like the poster I did for it, too. Is that a frustrating aspect of this particular line of work, um, not getting that credit? Or is it something that you're just kind of like, I know what I'm getting into, and I'm resigned to it? Well, it's water under the bridge by now. But in in the earlier days, I say earlier days in the 70s and 80s, we were able to sign most of our work. Uh, sometimes they'd take the signature out, but then eventually they took it out all the time. And um, I don't know, one complaint, one of the art directors says, well, you know, we need to give real estate to the characters in the film, not the artists. So their names are going to, Brad Pitt's name is going to be on it, not mine. So that's the way they looked at it. And now, I don't know, it goes both ways. Some have said, hey, so you have to sign it. And others still take it out. So, I mean, we know who we are in the industry, you know, the, oh, I know this artist, I know that one, uh, but most people don't. I can't complain about it. I'm an artist. I'm happy to be an artist. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear the optimism. And I would imagine that it has to be rewarding on some level, even if obviously you're not getting the credit that necessarily you're always deserving of. It is got to be very cool to have movies that, millions of people are going to see you know feature prominently your artwork and you know they're not just 
they're marketed that way. That's how the movie's sold, you know, other than there's trailers as well, obviously, but the movie is sold a lot of times to people through the poster. And so they're not only relying on you to just like convey the movie, but also to get people to want to see it afterwards, you know, after seeing it. So that's got to be rewarding. Yeah. And sometimes you do hear comments like that. Well, the poster was better than the movie. <laughs> Some have said that. So I may have said that once or twice. <laughs> we fooled you. We tricked you to go in. <laughs> But that is the nature of marketing. And it is. I can look back and see uh, so many different things I've done. And not just movie posters. Uh, I used to do the TV guide, little illustrations and TV guide, the little black and white ones back when Miami Vice was a TV show. And then I did boxes for the covers for games like Risk, Civilization. Oh, I did stuff for Whammo Toys. I mean, it's, it's been a variety of things. Do you enjoy that? I imagine you do as an artist, uh, getting to work in different spaces and explore different um, opportunities. Is, th is there anything uh, in particular that was actually like surprisingly a lot of fun for you to work on, like a risk game or, or a, you know, a TV guide cover or something like that, where you're thinking maybe, oh, OK, I'll do this. And then you ended up having a ton of fun with it. Well, as I look back, <clears throat> there's a few things. I did a, I did a cover for Risk. It was a tie-in, I guess, for Star Wars. And, and then they wanted to base it sort of like um, on the old pulp magazines where you have a Western pulp and you have the, the cowboy ready to draw his gun out. And that was Darth Vader ready to pull his lightsaber out. And then you could see under his elbow and there's Luke Skywalker with his lightsaber ready. And that was kind of fun to do. Sadly, they didn't choose it. They ended up doing some photographic Photoshop treatment with those X-wing fly, X flyers and stuff. Uh, I still have the artwork. And I, I look at it every once in a while. I go, they should have done that. That was, that was nice. And it was, was kind of fun. So there's that. I used to really have fun doing those black and white ones for the TV guide. So there all these police shows. So... I had fun doing them because they were quick. I could do a couple, three of them in a, in a week's time. So there was a steady flow of work then. The, so you did some concept art. There's concept art on your website as well that we were looking at. And we were, you did mention it earlier that you, you've done some concept stuff and you do things like working with them, not just on the movie, but on things like props, for example, from Once Upon a Time and other things. But I was looking particularly at like Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. Were those were those concepts for posters or concepts for the movie itself? Was I was I was curious about. Those are the black and white drawings you're speaking of. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. No, that was actually uh, it was a plan with Lionsgate Film to re-release the movies in what's called a steel book. Do you know what that is? Yeah. Yeah, I'm familiar. So, so they were going to repackage all of those films, his earlier films in that format and had me do ideas for uh, the covers. And we got as far as we did when they realized they didn't have the, they didn't have the full license to be able to do this. So it died. It just died right there. And there are some nice concepts there. I thought, Oh, this would be fun. This, this would be fun to do this. There was definitely some cool stuff. Yeah. There was definitely some very cool stuff in there. That happens a lot. You know, you, you, you do so many ideas and only one of them is going to fly if 
they even come back to you. I'm, I'm working on a, a game for, uh, I don't know what company it is, but it's to be a computer game for Indiana Jones. So I did a bunch of comps for that. I can't show them because they're still in the middle of figuring out what they're going to do. Uh, but I haven't heard anything more. And that may be the end of that. Maybe they'll end up just doing photo work. I, I don't know. Never know. But that was fun too. Indiana Jones. So just, I'm sorry to, I, I have one quick question then based off that is that, is it because you've done for Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, the poster, if I'm not mistaken. So is that something or no? No, no, I didn't. I didn't do the poster for that. I did uh, some more like concept work, but oh, that was concept work as well. Okay, the poster was done by Drew. Oh, okay. The Crystal Skull, yeah. Okay, okay. So I was gonna. I guess that that negates my question. I was gonna ask if you like coming back to a character, or if you like if there's like actors that you like. Oh, I really like drawing Harrison Ford, for example. You know what I mean? I don't know if there was anything that you like to come back to. But thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us today this has been amazing i love getting to learn about every aspect of filmmaking and this is something that you know i really appreciate i know i'll let gardner talk for himself but i appreciate movie posters in general and especially this style of it is really my kind of forte that's what i liked i, I can never draw it myself i dabble in my own little graphic design stuff but nothing on the level that you could do but it's been amazing to learn about just the behind the scenes process and just get the opportunity to talk to you because you've created some of my favorite posters. So thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. And I'm looking, trying to figure out what's behind you there. It looks like you've got quite a collection going on. What is that? If I may ask. Yeah, absolutely. They're, um, they're called Funko pops. I have a collection of a lot of different stuff, but right now you're looking at the oh. Funko pops. I've got a lot of star Wars and Marvel ones of those, but, uh, and then I don't know if you can see this was a, an old poster I actually did for it was a collage. Oh yeah, I can see I can see that. Yeah. Not quite like yours, but it was a it was a music. So it was the music of the year I did for my my middle school. I did like the the music that of our graduation year I kind of put together on a little collage. Ah. So kind of in the same collage style as yours. Well, that's the beauty of uh, being an artist, you know, there's a full range. You can be as primitive as you want, like uh, graffiti artists or get tight. You know, there's, there's room for, there's always room for another artist. <laughs> I love that. And then, you know, it's funny. Are you, where are you located? I'm in New York. Okay. And I'm in North Carolina. Ah, so I'm here in Hollywood and they just opened a Funko Pop store here. And it's like pe people line up around the block to go in there. Oh, wow. It's a little like Disneyland. They have all these settings so you can go out for photo opportunities you know themed amazing yeah people get really into it i i mean i've got a couple of them people love them that's cool i'll have to try to get to one of those places because I, I like those photo op opportunities so here's what i collect these are from old cars these old hood ornaments oh like that one from Duesenberg, if you've ever heard of that. This is from pierce or packard these would would go on the radiator cap so i've been collecting those since way long ago those are very cool though those i know they don't i mean it's a shame but like it feels like cars used to be uh a little bit higher quality in general you know that kind of stuff yep more built to last as well but also like with cool stuff as well like a hood ornament and now the muscle car is all popular and very expensive oh yeah so it just every generation has its own collectibles you know oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah for sure so 
is there anywhere that you want to tell our audience to check you out? Obviously, you have your website, which we'll be linking in the description of this podcast. Okay. So there's that. But is there anywhere else that you would like to, I don't know if you have social media that you like to have people follow you on or anything like that, where they can keep up to date with new posters that you make? Yeah, the only, the only one I really, I find Instagram a little confusing for me. I, I, I have a lot of my newest work I put up on Facebook. Awesome. So if we can link the Facebook page, we'll, we'll do that as well. All right. Yeah, it's, it's just uh, Steve Chorney. Awesome. Okay. So this has been great getting the chance to talk to you. I honestly love your artwork and I love your style of artwork. And I didn't know necessarily that there was still that like that style going on as much. Like 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 Once Upon a Time in Hollywood does feel kind of like reminiscent of some really cool posters. And I like 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 the same thing with the Nick Cage one. I was like, oh yes, they're doing it again. They're back to this style, like you're saying. So I know that we're both really into that. So thank you. Well, good. And it, you know, there there are a number of other artists that are quite capable of it as well. And I find that, I don't know, do you follow any of this alternate movie poster stuff? Do you know what I'm talking about? I've seen some of like, they do like very graphic, sometimes interpretations of them that are like very minimalistic. Yeah, a lot of it is that uh, through Mondo Productions. They'll do uh, Star Wars. It looks silk screened or very graphic. But there are other artists that are doing pretty much whatever they want. I've done, you know, the Steve McQueen things. That's what that is, alternative movie poster. There's a guy that does a style reminiscent of the 50s. His name is Paul Paul Mann with two N's. Do you know of him? No, I'm, I'm not familiar. You mentioned Drew Struzan before. I do. I, I, I'm familiar with his work. Yeah. Well, this guy, Paul Mann, you should look him, look him up and see his work. He's doing almost only those alternate movie posters. My internet went out, but I'm back. <laughs> okay. I was just mentioning how um, this whole little cottage industry of the alternate movie posters has really taken off. And there are some very talented people doing these things and they're just short runs uh, and then they're sold out immediately. And then you see them, people are flipping them on eBay at unbelievable prices. So it's amazing to me. But take a look at Paul Mann. Just do a little search for that name and you'll see some of the beautiful work he does. It's a throwback as well to, I'd say, like the 50s. Great work. Well, any other questions, Gardner, that you have? I was going to ask if there's anything looking forward that you can tease us with, uh, maybe some work you're, you're working on. You know, it's, it's sensitive sometimes if I talk about something I'm working they actually have us sign contracts that we're not going to disclose anything we're working on until it's out there. So they get pretty touchy about all that. I'm sure. You know, we just have to ask. We just have to double check and see. Maybe we could squeeze something out of you. Peter loves getting his sound bites. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we do. But other than that, I just want to thank you for your time. This has been incredibly illuminating. Huge fan of your work. Seriously, I love this. There's just an authenticity and a love to this style of artwork that I feel. And I, I really don't want to disparage the artists who work on, you know, other film posters or anything like that that has to do with photography or Photoshop or anything. But this style is just so special to me. And it just invokes all these feelings. And yeah, I just really appreciate it. And, and thank you for your time. Well, absolutely. And, and you know, I think your, your statement there is a lot, a lot like some of the filmmakers coming up and they look back at those posters too. Maybe they grew up with them and that's, 
uh, they're wanting to see that again. So uh, I'm, I'm getting that from others that make similar comments. But thank you very much. I, I surely did appreciate being able to visit with you today. And um, I'd like to, you know, when you get this all put together, please let me know how I might be able to see it. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll send it over once it's out. Okay. I'll look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you both very much. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Yeah. Have a good one. You too. Okay, folks, that was our interview with Steve Chorney. Again, super big thank you to him for coming by, sticking around, talking to us about anything and everything that we wanted and really just giving us insight into a process that I was unfamiliar with, but I really wanted to know about. And also just giving us the opportunity to talk to someone who we really look up to their work. So again, big thank you to you, Steve, if you're listening. And we really hope that our audience enjoyed it. I can't imagine that they wouldn't have. Seriously, thank you to Steve. Thank you for listening. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Uh, he has such a storied career and he's worked with some of just the absolute best in the business. I'd say he's one of the best in the business. And I, I just thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed getting to record it. We truly are some of the luckiest podcasters out there. And like I said in the interview, Steve's website as well as his Facebook are both linked in the podcast description. So go check those out. All of his work is on his website. Or I'm not sure if it's all of his work, but a good amount of his work is on his website. And you can really see what he does and dig into some really creative work. And you'll enjoy it, I think. So check out his work there. It's in the description. And another big thank you, Steve. We really appreciated having you here. It was a phenomenal conversation. I learned a lot. We'd love to have you back on one day. Maybe when your next poster comes out, we'll talk about that and specifically the process associated with that one. Since that's the end of our episode, we want to also thank our listeners. Thank you for sticking around to the end. Thank you for listening to all of our past episodes. And thank you for being a new listener if you're one of those. We hope you enjoyed it and we hope you want to stick around after this and learn some more about what we do on this podcast. We have some fun episodes coming up next week. I shouted them all out at the beginning of the episode, but on Monday, we're talking to the director of the short film we're working on, Kari. On Tuesday, we're discussing The Incredible Hulk. On Thursday, we're discussing Set It Off with LaToya. And on Friday, we have another interview with an aspiring writer, Matt St. Jack, who also hosts his own podcast, Anime Talk. So check out Anime Talk in the meantime. He's got a Great podcasting voice, which we're not the only ones who say that. He's heard it before. So little tease for that episode. Another great interview, which we were actually really excited to talk to him anyway. But then he managed to exceed expectations. So very similar to this one, actually, since we were very excited to talk to Steve. And he went above and beyond, as they always do. I don't understand, again, how we're so lucky with these guests. So that's our episodes for next week. And then, like I said, Saturday and Sunday, you'll get bonus episodes on Kenobi episode one and Kenobi episode two. And then going forward, they'll be on Thursdays. So Kenobi episode three will be on the following Thursday. That's all that we have here today. That's all that's coming up. Be sure to stay tuned for those and check out our back catalog as well. Remember, you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, specifically on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any of the free ones as well by searching the letters G, D, T. And while you're there, you can subscribe to us and even leave a five-star review. Folks, we love those five-star reviews, so if you're feeling in the mood, feeling a little generous, you want to throw one our way, hey, we'll enjoy it. So know that it won't go to waste. It'll make our day. So feel free to do that. And when you subscribe, you'll never miss an episode. 
But if you subscribe and you're still worried about missing anything, don't worry, we've got you covered on our social media platforms. You can follow along on Twitter and on Instagram at GoodDataPod and on Facebook at GDT Podcast, where we post all of our episodes and let you know what's coming up, what we're doing, and you can check out everything that's been posted in the past as well. So check us out there and stay tuned, like I said, for all of our future episodes. That really does conclude it. This is the end of the episode. We will talk to you again on Monday. Thank you, as always, for tuning in, folks. We love you, and we look forward to seeing you on the next one.